Welcome to the Polaris PT Podcast. Join us as we dive into all aspects of health and wellness, from physical and mental to relationships and spirituality with leading experts and luminaries from a broad spectrum of specializations. I'm your host, Dr. Brig Woods, performance physical therapist and owner of Polaris PT and Wellness. On the podcast today, I have Kristen Fuller. Kristen has been practicing nutrition for almost six years. She graduated from ASU in dietetics and has worked with all different types of nutritional clients with needs that includes food sensitivities, food insecurities, sports nutrition, pre and post pregnancy, picky eaters, and a whole lot more. She lived in Puerto Rico for four years and created educational programs on nutrition, acting as a board member on a nutrition council for a private school. Kristen is also certified in food psychology, which helps her clients understand their personal relationships with their dietary needs. This past year, she's developed her own genetic test called ICH Balance. This test has taken her practice to the next level by giving custom meal plans and personal nutrition strategies based off of client's DNA. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, so where are you right now? Where are you joining us from? So I live in Midway, Utah right now. I have left Arizona and have ventured in the cold and we love it here. I have four boys and we've, we really love the outdoor and the skiing now, but I also have kept up my nutrition. I've lived um, all around um, where I really got into nutrition heavy with more thinking of DNA and genetics was when I was living in Puerto Rico and how different the culture was there. And I couldn't just give my normal nutrition spill to some of those clients I was getting out there. And so I was really trying to think outside the box because it was such a melting pot of people around the world where when I would say avocado toast, for example, they would just look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about because that is such (laughs) a cultural food. And I didn't realize that. And I was very naive. And so that kind of started my journey of, okay, I got to think of something that I could touch on all of these clients I'm getting. And I started from there. I mean, to be fair, my parents, I say avocado toast and they look at me and go, wait, what What are you you talking about? I think that's very much a millennial thing, but, but, but I do, it's probably a cultural thing. So Puerto Rico is super interesting. So what, so what was that like having to work in Puerto Rico and why, what made it challenging for you to work with those people? Yeah. So we got there and I wasn't really planning on doing much with nutrition. Um, my husband moved us there with his work, but as people started getting to know me and what I did, I couldn't help myself. And so I started working in an eye in an eye doctor because most of her patients were people with uncontrolled diabetes. And that's a major outcome if you're not controlling your blood sugar levels would be poor vision. So she's this optometrist in my neighborhood. So I would try and translate and help them learn how to do it. So that's kind of like my first step into it. Then I got on the school board to help with their school lunches. I just kind of slowly got into it the more I lived there and I just got more involved. But there were some, it was tricky. They would have really intense food um, sensitivities that I had to work around. They had some religious um, restrictions. They had culture restrictions. And so to be honest, I was really just faking it, trying to, I don't want to say faking, but I would go home and do a ton of research once I met with these certain clients to figure out what, what religion and what restrictions and how I needed to do this. And then they're vegetarian and then they wouldn't, you know, I would really have to spend a lot of time figuring all of it out for each client that I would get. I had a lot of kids nutrition. So it was really a learning and pushing me out of my comfort zone. Cause while school was very 
informative. Um, it, it didn't go over all of all of it until I was sitting there. And then even culturally, to get someone away from what they grew up with from day one, like I had to change the lunch menu to be healthier. And rice and beans was a staple there. And they had to have it every day. Like that was such a fight with the Puerto Ricans compared to the expats, like fighting back and forth of what we all deemed as a healthy lunch. So it was, it was a lot of working together. And then also letting go of some of the things that we think are so important that really in the, in the big scheme of it, it's not. So it was, it was a really good learning for me to figure out all this stuff. Yeah. Well, so, cause you've told, so there's a question I have for you. Cause you've told me working together that I should be eating rice or whole grain rice. Yeah. And you told me that because I have an enhanced ability to utilize protein, I probably should be eating more beans and, and maybe a plant-based proteins and, and yeah. maybe less animal protein. But so are you saying then anything in excess is probably yes. and could, could, could be detrimental? Yes. Yes. And their version of rice and beans is not what I taught you how to eat. Like I was so told you brown rice and more of a whole beans. They were eating refried beans with sausages in it. And then the white rice. Yeah, I don't uh, see what's wrong with no. that. That sounds delicious. <laughs> Which is totally fine. But <laughs> for people coming in from the States that were very particular oh. about what their kids were eating, it was a it was a good give and take to see. Anyway, that was just a small example. Oh, yeah, no. 100, you know, 100, no, 100%. I just... love it, though. They they actually miss having rice and beans daily when they lived there. But so, so then <laughs> their horizon. So then what did you end up? I mean, what was kind of the compromise? So how did you, how did you end up working with these people and what was, yeah. what was the compromise? It was really tricky. So there was a team of us, um, physicians, um, dietitians, pediatric doctor. They tried to get Puerto Ricans and expats because there are so many of both in this neighborhood. So there's a whole group of both of us, professionals that would work together as a team. They could vouch for this side of the group. And then we came to a compromise. So we had a salad bar that was always up and running. They had rice and beans. We made sure they had healthy plant-based proteins and animal proteins. Um, so we, we just kind of more added to it. it. Luckily, we didn't have the regulations we have here with school. And it was a private school. So we had a little bit more mm. freedom of what we could add and um, give our kids. They also provided snacks and snacks was the big one that we conquered first was to make sure they weren't just getting processed food, but more healthy options. Cause they get two snacks a day as well. So it just was coming together as a team and understanding both sides of where each other were coming from. And I, I just think that was more learning for us adults and even the kids, they, the kids had no idea what was happening. All of a sudden they were served orange slices instead of crackers, you know, but <laughs> it, it was fun. I, I enjoyed that a lot. So, um, you know, you touched on like cultural restrictions and, and religious restrictions. What were some of the different religions that you were dealing with those restrictions and what necessarily culturally, what restrictions were you kind of working yeah, on? Yeah, I, I had um, a few clients that were from India and they were very picky of the type of meat they would eat, how they ate it, how prepared it. Then in addition to that house, they also had um, a daughter who was allergic to almost everything, all inflammatory um, food items. So then I had to eliminate all of that from her diet. Um, and working with them, I, I definitely had to lay it out. And I also, they had a chef on their staff as well. So me and the chef worked more together to incorporate these 
healthier options and to incorporate the sensitivities for both the different kids that I was dealing with as well. Cause one kid was an athlete and I had to make sure she was fueling up at the same time, honoring her religious with the meats. It was more preparation to meats and serving how together, um, okay. things like that, that I had to be aware of, but not necessarily me as much as the chef. But, um, so we just really sat down, met a lot and had to coordinate meals weekly um, just working together as a team, which I think is probably the biggest part of being a dietitian is I'm not a lone person. Even when I was in clinical dietetics, if I didn't work with the nurses, the doctors, it was such a team effort to do this, that trying to do it alone, there, there's no way you could do it by yourself. Like you have to have that team to implement everything. Cause all, you know, you just, you just need the full circle of everyone. Um, from England, a couple of my English clients were just very particular of, um, what they ate. Their taste is so different than what I naturally would suggest. Cause I would all, I always get this question, like, give me ideas of healthy meals or give me ideas of snacks. I think you've asked me that too. And my ideas were so not their ideas. Like they almost did not like my ideas. They thought I'm going to say cool. it right now. Hot take British food sucks. <laughs> I said it. I've been there. It's terrible. The best, <laughs> the best cuisine you've got is from India. Yeah. I, I, I learned that quickly that it's more bland, not a lot of flavor. So then I had to do my legwork on the, the, on my own and figure out recipes and meals that they liked. But then I also rang true to me of telling them that they're able to eat that. So it was a lot of learning for sure during that time, more than I initially set out to do. hundred percent. I mean, I, I experienced this even in physical therapy. Somebody comes in with something that I've seen that version of it, right? But, or I've seen that injury or that thing before, but because they're a unique individual, you have to treat them not like everybody else. And so sometimes what you've used in the past isn't going to work and you've got to go do your homework and your research. So no, that makes right makes perfect sense. So you had started working out with, um, people that were, were diabetic or had diabetes right now. Mm-hmm. I, we probably have some people that might be listening that are diabetic. Um, but also a lot of the people that I work with are athletes. Mm-hmm. They're people who go to the gym a ton. They're people who are CrossFitters, powerlifters, Olympic lifters, avid pickleball players, and people looking to either build muscle, recover, or yeah, or speed up or aid their recovery. Yeah. Now, I'm taking the diabetic angle here because I know that people with diabetes have a tough time healing mm-hmm. and rebuilding mm-hmm. muscle tissue and skin and all that kind of stuff. Is there, are there foods that are better? I'm not going to sit, ask you like, Hey, what's food specifically, but are there types of foods or macro nutrients that are better than others to aid in your recovery? Yeah. Your athletic recovery, rebuilding tissue and helping you. Yeah. Recover. Mm-hmm, for sure. So diabetes, yeah, they have a different challenge than, um, people that don't have it where they have to make sure their glucose levels are in check along with recovering the right foods. So they almost have additional steps than people that don't have it to repair Always protein is the number one for repair. It builds your muscles. It makes them strong. Um, And then fiber and then fruits and vegetables. Really, it's very similar to what I give to my non-diabetic patients of mine. Um, But with diabetes, you just have to be more particular, maybe having just a half a cup of fruit at a time, because you just don't want to overdo your glucose levels where your pancreas can't keep up or your medication can't. But if you as a diabetic 
work out regularly, move your body after you eat, you should have no problem recovering just as quick as someone that doesn't. I have, I know a lot of people with diabetes that are in better shape than people that don't because they have that must in their mind that they have to keep working out because that's your natural medication to clear your glucose levels out. So without adding that and then fueling your body with the proteins, you could eat whole grains. I know carbs, people feel like they can't have carbs when they're diabetic, but really you still need those just as much because that's what fuels your body. But you just have to be smart with them. You have to eat a whole grain. You have to have that fiber, um, stay away from the processed food because adding all the fiber plus the protein, plus those fruits and vegetables is what everyone needs as you're fully able to recover and to push yourself to the limit of your workouts. So yeah, that gets a little tricky with the fruits and vegetables because yes, some are higher starch than others. And so I work specifically with those and I'll be like just a half a cup at a time. And if they're athletic, like you're saying, and they're working out and they have the right mindset, they should be completely fine. Um, as long as they're keeping up with all that. Right. So I hate, so here's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you know who Jim Stepani is. He has a whole, he's a, he's a PhD exercise physiology. He has a whole line called Jim brand line okay. of supplements and stuff. Anyway, he's a big advocate of after a crazy heavy, like barbell and weight workout eating gummy bears <laughs> or like Jolly Ranchers. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Hmm. You know, I think I would, I don't want to disagree with them. I don't know them, but I think if someone were to ask, <laughs> you could disagree me, with them. I'd... I would say go for a Snickers because if oh. we're like in that realm of candy after workout, because the Snickers would give you more of what you need. Yes. You get the peaks of glucose, which I think that's what he's trying to do for you. Then okay. you get the good fats from the peanuts um, and I feel like you just need more to replenish you than just gummy bears. Cause you don't have any protein in gummy bears. So, so unless That's like true. he knows you drink protein maybe before, I yeah. don't know. I would want you to do a Snickers if we we're going okay. down that route. <laughs> well, no, and, and so though, this is interesting because this is a big deal. Like a lot of people are very particular about their timing. Mm -hmm. Like I know people who are like, Oh no, only drink BCAAs after you're done with your working out or drink BCAAs before and BCAAs during, like just sip it all the way from before through middle and then afterward mm -hmm. do your protein shake 30 minutes before or 30 minutes after or right. So there's all kinds of like, I guess that's the thing is there's tons of competing information out there. Yeah. And so how, how realistically, how important is timing in, yeah. okay. in, in your nutrition? So timing is very important for different reasons than what you were saying though. For me, timing, like when you first wake up in the morning, that's when your body needs some fuel after you work out. If you kind of break it down and you take out all the things we've learned of why you're supposed to do this, or this person drinks this during that time, and just look at our bodies as like a simple machine. Okay. Like, so when we wake up, we've been asleep. It probably needs some fuel. You're out of gas you're about to go kill it in a workout, you probably need something to fuel it up before. So I would be on the side of a protein drink before you work out, if that's your choice. To be honest, I would prefer you to eat real food before a protein drink, but I get that our society is on the go and we're gonna have to, but anything we put in our body that has been processed, even if it's a good process, like a protein powder or branch change, branch, branch chain amino acids, that's still something we <laughs> process and we're putting it back in our bodies, right? 
So anytime we do that step where we've messed with something, our body doesn't absorb it as great as if we were to just get it from the source. So obviously as a dietitian, this is kind of what we're known for. And some people might eye roll a little bit. We obviously like whole foods the best before any type of supplement, but with timing, yes, to keep your satiety in check, to keep your hunger cues, you've got to fuel your body always throughout the day. And definitely before 3 PM is the majority of your calories. So my timing more reflects that Mm. versus fueling up after your workout, drink your, your, whatever you want during your workout, just make sure you have whole food before and after that's, that's my big thing. If you're going to do a protein shake, you'll see that I'm always adding things to my protein shake. Cause I am just as busy and like love quick fixes that I don't have to, sometimes you don't have time to eat whole foods. So in my protein shakes, I add oats. Um, I add a fruit and then I'll dump the powder in because I need it to have all those things that I definitely And always talking about the whole grains, the fruits and the protein. So I just make it into that every single time. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes it low. It makes a lot of sense. So if I'm hearing you right, you're not a huge fan of intermittent fasting. No, I am not, which is not a popular one right now, or it is popular. And that's not, people don't like me when I tell them that when I mean, yeah, intermittent (laughs) fasting and keto. Well, no, it's because I can't tell you how many years I've been intermittent fasting. I've been eating next to no carbs, Mm -hmm. high fat content, Mm -hmm. high protein content. I think when we first met, I was telling you, I was eating somewhere in the neighborhood of 225 to 235 grams of protein a day. Right. Because conventional, conventional wisdom says that if you want to maintain your muscle mass, you need to be, or increase it, you need to be eating one to 1.2 times your body weight in grams of protein. Right. And you were like, Hey, according to my DNA report, I've got a below average metabolism. Anybody that's actually seen me will know that I have a below average metabolism. (laughs) We didn't need a DNA test (laughs) to tell us that, but you were like, yeah, intermittent fasting is wrong for you. And I want you whole wheat. I remember you saying, I thought you were crazy. You're like whole wheat toast. Cause I work out fasted or had whole wheat toast, peanut butter, half a banana, maybe a little drizzle of honey and then go crush it. Yeah. And, and you like, tell me what's been, have you been feeling doing that now? Fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Okay. <laughs> no, amazing. Like it's been so much like my workouts have been so much better. Well, and, doesn't it make sense? Like you yeah. feel your body for what you're about to do. Like you put the workouts you were telling me you were doing are intense. Like you are not, not doing the work. And that's the most frustrating part is you would put the time in and most people are very dedicated in the gym because that is something easy. Like it's a good check mark. You get how to push yourself. Most people know, but it's the just the slight disconnect to the food that I'm finding most people just are, are just missing it just by like this much. If you just tweak a few things here and there, it really makes a difference to your body and how oh. it's running. Hundred percent. And then when you told me to eat oatmeal when I got home, I was like, "Are you? Cr- no, you're high. Like, there's no way I'm eating oatmeal. I've been eating half a cup of oatmeal with berries and bananas and honey, and then three eggs on top of that. Normally, it would be like six eggs and three strips of uncured bacon, and mm-hmm. and it's and I've not only and I think we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. I've actually put on. I've been eating significantly less protein because again, we talked about my enhanced ability to utilize protein and eating way more carbs. And I have put on three, at least put on three pounds, 
of muscle and I've lost a 4% of, of body fat. Like, so yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's, it's wild. And so, yeah. And I think you were right. You also told me eat the majority of your calories before 3 PM. And once you're done eating, um, at five or six, I, I eat dinner, like an old person. I eat at five. That's ideal. But, I like that. Yeah. And so anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, it's worked out now for a lot of people, myself included, we think if we want to make body, cause that's the other thing. A lot of people I work with are looking to make body comp changes. And these are not people who are obese or overweight. Mm-hmm. These are people who are really fit, but they want to look, and let's be honest, we all want to look good on the beach. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we all think that we've got to, at least I do. And a lot of people, we have to give up everything and we got to eat fish and chicken and rice and eat like we're training for a fitness show. If we, so basically it's good by happiness. If you want to look good. <laughs> fact fiction, <laughs> definitely fiction. Okay. Right. Well, well and I, you're a testament of that too. Like we, there's so many good Instagram accounts that show that it works for them. And that is so great that they have an audience and it works for them. Like that is amazing, you know, but I think a lot of people, it doesn't work. And that's, I need the Oreos. Draw, you know, <laughs> did you just say I you need, need Oreos? Oreos? I, I need Oreos and I need ice cream. <laughs> that's gotta be a part of my diet. Otherwise I'm out. Yeah. And, and some, and that's life. Like we, yes, there's times in our lives where we can be more um, let's call it, I don't want to call it, let's say more strict. Okay. Because you're not, not motivated. If you allow yourself to have, um, Oreos, I don't feel like that should be good or bad. I just think let's just be smart about it. So I think I told you this, when you want your Oreos, eat them with your lunch. If you have your balanced plate of lunch and I, and exactly what I told you to eat and you eat some Oreos, think how fast your body's going to respond to that versus when you eat Oreos on an empty stomach late at night, your body is going to be way slower at metabolizing it. And you're going to have these high peaks of your glucose because you have nothing else in your system. So that's when we get in trouble. So it's not like you're better because you can, you can restrain from eating that ice cream or Oreos. Like you just got to be smart about it, especially this time of year, this time of year, I have so many of my clients so stressed that all of their hard work is just going to turn to crap in the next week because they are knowing they're going to just give in and just gorge. And I try and just teach as much as I can. You don't have to be perfect. It's just consistent. Like if you do 90% of your day, great. And you have a 10% fall off, like that 90% has to count for something. Or even if you have three days of vacation, but you've been good for almost two weeks of eating whole foods, um, working out that, that your body has muscle memory, your body can remember these things. And just if you weigh yourself at that time, and you freak out, that is just inflammation. And it's just water weight, because you just gave your body way more stuff than it's used to. And it's just handling it like it just needs some time to kind of get back in order. So perfection is not necessary at all. So that's, I'm just laughing because that's me. I'll, I'll have, you know, gone out or something and then I'll step on, I'll, I'll do the stupid, I'll step on the scale the next day, see what the damage is. And and then Mm -hmm. I'll start to, and then I'll, you know, I freak out. And then sometimes people need that to motivate them to get back on track because some like they, they need to know that they're reaching a certain goal or they want to be told like, okay, I have to get to this amount. And some people work better and I will give those goals to those clients. It really just depends on their personality. Cause just like our DNA is different. So is how we handle restriction and different types of diets. Like 
you, I remember when we got phone, you're like, okay, so tell me exactly like, what is it I need to eat, you know? And you hate it. I was like, it's more intuitive for you. And you're like, no, I don't want that. Like, I want you, like, I feel like you're really used to being so good and in like something, you know, and sometimes that's the harder part. And some people like that. So you kind of have to go with the different personalities. And that's why I like going at it with the DNA side, because it's not one fits all. My conversations when I'm in my reports with people are so different from one another. And that's what makes it so fun because I'm really getting to know that actual person, not just saying, look, I'm skinny. This obviously works for me. Do this. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's, it's, it's not about that at all. Cause my body works so different than your body, you know? It, yes. 100%. So how did you end up getting into this DNA thing? And is this DNA like, so I noticed that it's the, I choose healthy. It's, it's, I choose health. It's your kind of own DNA test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into all of a sudden deciding you're going to look at DNA? Yeah. Good question. So when I got back to the States, um, I, someone approached me cause they knew I kind of was on the fence of getting a master's degree. I, I was just kind of thinking about it, even though I just had a baby, I just thought it was a good idea. And, um, oh, of course, no, no better time than <laughs> My wife just, my, my wife is, she's, she's awesome. She decided, we decided, eh, why not? Let's buy a house. Let's start a master's program and let's start working on having a, going in vitro and having a baby all in the same year. So yeah, yeah why not? Like, yeah. Why not? Right. The, what better time is now? Anyway. So I started applying, I wanted to do genetic counseling because I was trying to bridge nutrition and genetics and there wasn't much out there. Because most genetic counselors just work with practitioners to explain kind of DNA tests like you would have for checking different cancers or different things like that. Like so, but hardly anything was tied to nutrition. So I came in with this whole new perspective of wanting to know nutrition based DNA. And to be honest, I didn't get into the program. I don't think my what they wanted was me because they did not. They wanted genetic counselors the traditional way at that point. They wanted them to be in the labs, work with practitioners, where I really wanted to do this big jump. And I even tried two times in a row of applications and I didn't get in either way. And I was devastated because I was like, I have everything. Like I had the grades. I even worked with the dean of that school and she kind of told me exactly what to do. And I still didn't get in. So after that, I was like, okay, well, maybe this just isn't my road because honestly, like I can't, I don't even know what I would do to change. It's just what I think I wanted to do with being a genetic counselor was so different than the typical genetic counselor. And right then just pieces started coming together. I met the lab that I work with now. I was able to create, um, they offer different testing. And so I'm like, could you do something with nutrition? And Then we kind of started working together. I got connected to all the right people and I just started picking out what I wanted to be test for. And it's even still evolving. Like as I get to know more about DNA and genetics and nutrition, I'm adding things to that test or I'm creating another one right now, actually for next year. Um, It's going to be more about your gut and your gut microbiome and stuff. So anyway, when that that one comes up, because I, I want to jump on that one too. Yeah, it's really cool. some people won't be so into it because it's actually testing your um, stool sample. And so oh. it's at home though. It's not like you have to come to my house and I do it for you or anything like that. <laughs> but it's just any more information I could get on someone's body and along with blood. Like, I feel like it's just your complete picture. So anyway, I made that test. I launched it in July. 
Um, and I'm still working with the lab, still working with my team to kind of tweak it and finalize things, adding other food sensitivities to it. Um, I definitely added me at the end because I feel like there's one thing to get the results and that's great. But then to be able to discuss it with me and have kind of a plan, I think is the main thing that I add to it is just being able to interpret it with you. Um, cause I'm, I did 23 and me and I got my results and they're cool, like whatever, but yeah. that's what made me think, oh, I need to have me at the end of this because I need someone to then help me be like, oh, that's what this means. Cause some of the markers, even on 23 and me, I was like, I don't really get what that means. It's cool that I have that, but like, whatever. And I didn't think any more about it, but with nutrition, it's such a personal thing. I, I really wanted to have the one-on-one consultations and then. So that's why most of mine are Zoom because I could reach so many more people because my clientele was already so broad. Anyways, I don't have a huge base in actual midway. That's so it's great that Zoom is so popular thanks to COVID. Yeah, the no one who managed yeah. COVID because now I could do all that, which is really fun. And people don't find it so hard or different now. It's very common. Totally. Yeah. No. So for me, yeah, that was huge to be able to talk to you. And you took we I think we talked for a good hour, hour and a half. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if I just got the results, I, I wouldn't know what to do with them. Right. I, I would have looked at it and went, okay, cool. Enhanced ability to use pro- protein. I would have been like, eat more protein. <laughs> totally. And some of those have advanced um, in carbohydrates. So people would be like, oh, I'm supposed to be on a high carb diet. Like, no, that's, that's not what it's that's meaning, what that you means, know? Right. And I wouldn't have, <laughs> and I wouldn't have been able to interpret the like, Hey, you have a below average metabolism. So intermittent fasting is probably a bad idea for you. Cause you're going to have to expand your your fasting window until you're basically starving yourself. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't have. And, and so having that personal thing now, is that, is, do you just do the consultation with people or do you do other stuff too? I do do other stuff. Um, I've done, it just depends where you're located. I've done some over zoom, but most clients that are local here, I'll do like pantry makeovers with them. I've taken people shopping. Um, and then I'll just do basic nutrition appointments. Like I have a few clients with picky eaters. And so they children, even though their DNA will not change, I don't feel like they need to take this test at this point of their life, unless they're trying to get the food sensitivities or something like that. Um, so I will just have normal nutrition consultations with them and go over kind of a good review of it before they jump in on the test. So kind of depends what people are going for. Um, but no, I don't make everyone have to take the DNA test first. It really just depends on where they're at. Gotcha. So I know you said everybody's pretty different. Are there, <clears throat> everybody is, but are there any, are there any trends that you notice in people's DNA? Like as a, obviously there's exceptions and things, but are there any yeah. general trends that you see with our American population? Yeah. Or people um, that you work with. I would say protein is a big one. No one has, I have, no one has come back with being low to process protein ever. It's either normal or high. And I feel like it's because our food is so high in protein already. Like we put protein in pancakes, we put protein in every type of food. So if someone couldn't, I think that is something we have evolved because if you think of when we first were here, like back in the day, they probably did not have protein the way we think we need protein. Because it was kind of like if they hunted for protein or, you know, like their, their life was so different than ours. And so I've never seen anyone low in protein. And I, I think that's because of our culture. Um, I, some fun ones that I have seen, um, two sisters had high gluten intolerance, 
One expressed it and one did not. One had celiacs while the other one was freely eating gluten and had no problem. So there's been um, some fun things like that that has come across. And then we get to talk about how, yes, the genotype is one thing, but then based on like lifestyle, good and bad stress, maybe what your parents were doing when she was pregnant with you or what your mom was eating, you can have a different phenotype of that genotype. So that's kind of the situation of the sisters. Um, Same family, same parents, same genotype, but totally a different expression, um, which is crazy. And that's kind of like the fun stuff that I like to get into. So even though you, so like, even though the DNA, that's just the starting point because how your body expresses that could be different is what you're saying. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'll never just give you a list based on that exact thing without talking to you of foods you shouldn't eat. Because just like that sister, I would have given her a non-gluten meal plan when she really could eat gluten. And when you take gluten away from you, you're just causing a lot more things you have to worry about making sure you're getting those vitamins and fiber in without eating any type of gluten in your diet. So that's kind of why I feel so strong to always do the consultation because sometimes you get those tricky things like that, where a meal plan straight out the gates from your DNA would not be beneficial for that client. Sure. You know? So here's something that I've, I've heard. I don't know how factual it is, but I've heard that. I don't know if it's due to our diets or what, or environmental factors, but that at least Americans, we have a tough time um, absorbing or it's gut health or, but we have a tough time absorbing certain vitamins, minerals that most people are not getting enough vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Most people are not getting enough folate. Most people are not getting certain nutrients. So is that, is that something that you've seen? Is there something that, yeah. Is there some stuff that we're not getting a lot of as Americans? Yeah. So part of the test does go over your nutrient absorption And again, well, not again, because it's the first time I'm telling this audience this, but when I do the nutrient side, I don't know if you're low in A or folate or D, but those are your tendencies. And like you said, those are very common ones that people are, and iron is a big one. Um, So that's the other piece that I actually would love. And I've asked you for your blood before, like if I could get blood labs, because then we could see is what your DNA is saying, is it true? Are you eating a balanced enough diet to get those nutrients? Because you're right. D is a very common one that we're all really low in. And I think it's because of how often we are told, oh, just go outside in the sun. You'll be fine. Just go out there for 20 more minutes. But with D, it's almost uh, it's not a consumption or an absorption problem. We have to change the type of D we're getting into the form of D3 to get into our bodies. And so a lot of people are slow to do that. And that's why D3, I feel like 90% of my clients are already on a D3 supplement by the time I get to them. Um, because they have just been told by other practitioners that that's something that they need to do. And I fully believe that. I mean, D is your mood. It's your happy vitamin and people just think being outside is plenty and enough. And a lot of D is fortified as well. Like we put D in milk and stuff. And anytime again, that we kind of make something and shove it back in, we're just not able to get the full nutrient if it didn't come from the correct source. So yeah, we have a big nutrient section and I'll give you the high foods of each vitamin to make sure is in your diet um, to compensate for your tendencies of your DNA. Um, But yeah, it's very common. We don't eat the rainbow ever. And 
our meal plans or our diets in America, like our fast food are very unhealthy. So when someone is eating fast food three or two times a day, they're, they will definitely be lacking a lot of the nutrition that they need if they were just to be eating at home more, things like yeah. that. And I think that's something that people struggle with because so much of our life is busy that we do need to sometimes like, so one of the things that has prevented me in the past is meal prep. Mm-hmm. Like I absolutely do not want to take three or four hours. That's what it feels like yeah. to, to do meal prep. Does it take, I mean, does it real? do you realistically have to take three to four hours to do meal prep or is there some, some, like, what are some of the staples to have on hand that, you, that don't take yeah. your whole Sunday afternoon in your stupid mm-hmm. kitchen instead of spending time with your family? Well, usually that meal prep I've learned is people are cooking meat and cooking that. And so if you simplify and you allow yourself to have some plant-based protein, it really makes it easy. Cause just think of your pantry. So what meal prep that I do is I make quinoa, like a big thing of it. Um, I have my beans washed and ready to go. Um, I have fruits and vegetables cut up, which you don't have to cut up like a perfect salad. You could even buy pre-cut up if you want, or I just pick bananas, things that I don't necessarily have to have a lot of prep. I always have Greek yogurt in my fridge, Greek yogurt, berries, and a granola. That's always an easy plan. Triscuits are a quick go-to. If you just have those staples that are all your whole grains, like a whole grain bread, whole grain, uh, brown rice. You could even do the 60 second, like pill it, you know, like I forgot the brand of it, but anything like that is so easy to just cook up real quick. You could take that, the Kodiak cakes, the cut muffins, so easy to do. I would say when I worked in the hospital, more of my food, I guess you would say were snacky food like that. And that got me through the day. Sure. So I would do peanut butter and honey sandwich, something so easy um, Greek yogurt, strawberries, um, hard boiled eggs. You could buy those at Costco. I feel like the good stores like Trader Joe's whole foods, you don't necessarily have to just shop at those to feel like you're healthy, but they do offer like easy, easy, quick go-to things. Um, Costco has a lot of good things. And I, I kind of, I've created a shopping list for people up to this point that covers those basic staples. So then when you're starving, you're like, Oh, quesadilla you get a whole grain tortilla quesadilla and and like an avocado boom that's the perfect meal for what i am trying to teach everyone so it doesn't necessarily have to be like you making grilled chicken on sunday and then dividing it up i i never really do that ever if i have chicken i'll just double it the night that i'm actually doing it and then that might be my lunch the next day or something but i don't meal prep like that it's more like having the quick options of the go-to um that work best for me and sure, I think sure. for other clients that I've had too. Yeah. That makes a lot, that makes a lot more sense. Cause yeah, otherwise I'm cooking 20 pounds of ground Turkey and yeah. eight chicken Especially breasts. And how you were eating before I got to you. That was a lot of meat you're eating. <laughs> That's I, was eating a lot two, I was eating about two and a half pounds a day, two and a half <laughs> to three pounds a day. Um, so that, so yeah, the other thing back to the kind of the fast food thing, like if you're going to eat fast food, Can you eat? I mean, where would you, where do you go? If you're like, you're out, you didn't bring anything with you. You got, it's better to eat something than not. Yes. And that's what people get worried about is if they don't have a plan, then they just think, Oh, I'll just wait this meal out. I won't go eat anything. And then dinner catches up with them. And they're like, Oh, I could eat all this because I skipped lunch. So I owe myself. So it's like this. It fits in in my macros. (laughs) Totally. This, this donut. 
This donut and pizza <laughs> fits fun. in my macros. So in Arizona, actually, you guys have some really good options. You have that chopped place, right? Isn't that a drive-through salad? Um, oh, salad, salad and go. Yes. Okay. And I'm pretty and it's sure it's cheap. Yeah, it's like yeah six you bucks. can add some type of a grain. That's where people get in trouble, though. Is don't forget the grain. Um, mm. All like the not Subway, but all the other ones. Porta Sub. You guys have that. That there's a whole grain bread there that you can have, and you can deck out your salad, um, however you want, or your sandwich. Um, you just have to have like a plan of go-tos that you go to. Like, um, for instance, here we have a place called Lola's and I know they have a quinoa salad with shrimp and that's just what I always get at that place. So I kind of have mapped out beforehand because if you don't have a plan, then you're going to just be like, Oh my gosh, Taco Bell. And you're going to go to Taco Bell or something. But if you kind of scout out what you have, you could even send me the restaurants that you have around you. And I would be like, you can order this and this. You just have to be smart, like get the whole grain. That's the hardest part with fast food. Everything's yeah. so processed. Fruit or a vegetable and a protein are typically easier um, to find in fast food, but just that whole grain will be harder. But most of the bread places and everything has whole wheat bread. So, yes, yeah, so let me ask you a question then, because I was talking with my, with my friend Wyatt the other day and he was telling me what he gets at Chick-fil-A. Okay. Okay. I love, I love me some Chick-fil-A. Get a spicy chicken sandwich. So the, the breaded okay. spicy chicken sandwich on a multi-grain bun. Okay. I mean, they don't multi-grain bun, then get a grilled breast, slide it into the spicy chicken sandwich. So you have two. You have two going on. Okay. With, so you still get that little bit of that breaded mm -hmm. piece, right? But okay. with, instead of waffle fries, which are delicious but yeah. do the fruit do the fruit cup okay i i can see where you're going with that because you want both of them because obviously chick-fil-a is known for the fried chicken absolutely it's chicken it's delicious i would just do two grilled things and then maybe get a kid's nugget so then it's less uh, right okay. so do then just get like the four piece and it's just four little pieces and you could put that on if you feel like it All i don't right. know but I do like the whole grain muffin or bun. bun. I think it actually tastes good with it because just even having that, you're going to get more fiber. That's going to stop you from eating more later. Cause you're kind of getting it all together, but no, I think that's a good combo. I would just get the nuggets, maybe the smallest pack of nuggets you can get and put that on the grill. So then it's right. less. Yeah. My low, my, my low satiety markers, my low satiety markers want it all. <laughs> But I mean, a good options though, like Chick-fil-A does offer that, which is great. And they offer really good salads. So sometimes, and they have that fat. So if you're kind of thinking it all, and let's say you haven't had a lot of fat yet, maybe a few of those little nuggets you would need because you do need a good fat source. We're, we're not a fat-free society anymore. You definitely need good fats in you. Yeah, no, I remember back in the day, it was like margarine and I drank skim milk, which is essentially water pretending to be milk. <laughs> My mom was all in on skim milk. Oh. Yep. And the spray butter. We had that in our house. Oh, the, I can't believe it's not butter spray. That stuff and, is terrible. Yeah, that was my household as well. But no, we're smarter now. We know you're supposed to eat that. So. Well, right. But, but then we've, so here's the question. We've gone to the other side of this thing, right? We constantly <laughs> swing both ways. It was fat free. And now it's like keto. Like, yeah. Yeah. So keto 
obviously works for a lot of people and keto, right? Like I think, you know, was originally designed for people that had like major neurological disorders, right? And, like, yeah. And research has proven that that has been a huge change for them. And that diet was great for what, what that population needed a hundred percent. So there the is question. good with keto. Is it like, okay. So like, I look at guys like, oh, what's the dude? He started he, the carnivore diet. Doctor, I forgot who he was. He's a medical doctor. Oh, but yeah. Like straight up, do not touch vegetables, only meat, right? And yeah. and organ and and organ meat. You start looking at. I don't think he's got any education as far as nutrition goes, other than just experimentation on himself and his family. But the liver king, yeah, who's eating who's yeah. eating raw kidney and raw liver, right? Like like yeah. a savage. Um, is there a subset of the population that would benefit from a diet like that? Or do those people like, cause those people are like, I'm healthier than ever. I feel great. My blood panels are the best they've ever looked. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're not eating any fiber in any right. way, shape or form. I, so this is from my experience. Most sure. of my clients that have come to me after they're done with keto. Okay. I feel like you have to, if you are gung ho about keto, like you just have to do it until you can't do it anymore. And that's when I have gotten the clientele that I have from keto people. Um, and they say the same thing. Like I felt really good. I could tell they're in ketosis and they, they felt that change, but putting yourself in ketosis was never meant for long-term. Um, Mm. it was meant, I think when some, in the fitness world, when it came about, it's because people before they would do like a fitness competition, put themselves in ketosis because it dehydrated you. It it like took out all the water from your organs and it it really was made you feel really cut. And that's what they needed for a short term because they're about to go on the stage and be fitness pageant, right? Whatever in that world. So I feel like that's what kind of got the hype going is because it does work. People feel it. But the problem is like most things, they might see a fat decrease or they might see a weight decrease, but it's just not as sustainable to keep it up. And some people can fight me tooth and nail and be like, no, it's so sustainable. I'm so happy with it. And that's great. And that obviously works for you. Some people like myself, for example, um, my fat utilization is super low. Um, so when I just out of experimental, I wanted to see what my clients were feeling in ketosis. I couldn't get myself in ketosis. Now, given I wasn't allowing myself to go crazy with this type of fats, I was very particular with what fats I was putting in my body, because I think the problem is people are like bacon, egg, sausage. Um, eventually they get sick of that. And I feel like it switches to more avocados, extra virgin olive oil. They'll start picking naturally the good food fat foods, because I think your body starts craving them anyways. Like you can't sustain yourself without feeling awful on those types of fats. So if you can bridge that and get over that, yeah, people have seen results. And I do think the research has shown like the first population you're talking about their brain and for autistic that has really been proven to be beneficial for them in short amounts of time doing it. But it's of course, human nature to just push it to the limit. And I think that's when people get in trouble. And that's when I've received people and questions is like, I don't even know how to eat anymore. I know I can't sustain this anymore. What do I do? All I've eaten was fats for a year. I'm not seeing the results anymore. So I've tried to be more strict, but I don't know how I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And so that's been my people that I've received after that. 
Sure. No, so, it makes sense. Yeah. And it, it was interesting for me. Keto was not a thing. It didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. A lot of people love it. You know, a lot of people try to be fat adapted athletes, endurance athletes, and I can see why they would do that. But yeah, for me, like, Hey, keto doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work, not sustainable, but if it does more power to you. Yeah. And that's where I think we just need to be okay with, like, if that works for them, great. Like, like, I'm not here to be like, well, you shouldn't do that because I know X, Y, and Z like run with it then. Because again, all of our bodies respond to different things. So I would never be like, if someone is seeing great results and they're so happy, I would just try and educate them on better fat choices. Right. I would never rip the carpet from under them and be like, that's the worst diet you could be on right now. You know, like I would let it play out because it's going to be more powerful for them when they get to the point of wanting to change than me to blast them and be like, this is not sustainable in a year. You're going to be, you're going to regret it. You know, unless they're really searching for something new, I would then tell them my opinion. But if it works for you, then go for it as long as it doesn't work, you know? Yeah. People follow, people follow diets like religions and politics, man. They, so it's very, very tribal. Um, so, but back to this, back to that kind of thing, I've a lot more people, at least maybe it's just been on my radar a little bit more. I don't know how popular it is, but I feel like a lot more people are starting to eat, um, what do they call it? Roughage. So back at, like back in the day, right. We used to eat mm-hmm snout to tail yeah we used to eat and and even like my dad was like yeah i used to eat liver and onions like my mom used to make liver my mom used to make kidneys like we don't do that anymore we don't eat heart we don't eat liver we don't eat kidneys is there benefit to eating that stuff you know i have never seen huge research research on this I have only seen the cultures that utilize it because they are no waste or they don't have the, um, like the means to what we have here in the States. Oh, sorry. I think I'm cutting in and out. Oh, you're good. Okay. Um, so I have never been, I would never promote that. Um, if it's something that is a delicacy, like that is part of my culture, maybe, of what I learned in Puerto Rico is some people treasured things like that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt you or it's bad, but like always, if it's the only thing you're eating, I don't imagine that being good for your over for your long-term health. Um, we just are smarter now. We don't have to eat those items. Uh, we know that there's better quality and different types of meat that we're eating from the cow. We don't have to go for that part. I mean, think the liver is basically the cleaner. It, it, filters everything. So I don't know what type of high quality that meat is or what nutrition comes from just the liver after it has done all of its function for the cow or whatever animal we're eating its liver from. So I don't, I don't know enough about that topic to know, but I, I would imagine that it's not the best of quality unless it's like a delicacy that someone just has grown up with and it's more of a cultural thing. Yeah. So just doing some of my homework on this sort of thing, cause it was interesting to me. I know like your heart or heart, the organ, like from cow or whatever is high, has high contents of like CoQ10, um, selenium, that kind of stuff. Okay. And I, like kidneys and liver can be really higher in like magnesium, I think. I'd have to look at it, but so supposedly they're fairly nutrient dense, like mineral and nutrient dense meats. Um, 
but it's just interesting that we've moved away from that as like mm-hmm. our sensibilities have kind of gotten a little bit more modern. Yeah. I and, would definitely say that. Well, and here's something else that I think is interesting. This is my own thought. I, I do think that we've become disconnected from our food. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if kids actually know or if people, just people in general actually realize that like that ground beef that you bought, those chicken breasts that you buy, like they don't grow anywhere. Like they don't just grow on a tree or like, they don't just show up that way. Right. Right. There's, there's actual animals that somebody had to kill, mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. to butcher. Right. And had to wrap up and put there for you. Yeah. And so I'm curious, it just, it, I don't know. I think we become too disconnected from our food and we, we expect food to be there. And I think that we, I think if we actually had to go hunt our own food, butcher our own animal proteins, I bet you there'd be a lot more people that would eat less meat. Yeah, I agree. I, and I think that's kind of in the realm of intuitive eating is, yeah, we just expect these beautiful meat slabs to be ready for us, even seasoned. Like we, we don't put the work into the preparation anymore. And we always are wanting a fast meal, but healthy at the same time when we're not willing to put the work in. So good thing our society is how it is, because if our age of people were placed back in time, I don't think you're right. I don't think we would half of the people wouldn't even know that you're supposed to pluck the feathers from the turkey. You know, they've never seen that process before. And I think you would just appreciate food and appreciate the value of what we're given. And it's just, we have so much all at once that we forget, like we take it for granted for sure. We're not having to hunt our food. We could, now we're being picky that I only want to eat organic chicken instead of this chicken, you know, like we've taken it to the next level of being particular with how it's even being prepared or what it's prepared by, or, you know, like we, we've taken it where we're not even in tune to our food anymore. And we just expect it always and fast and healthy. Like magically, it's just supposed to do that. So interesting. Somebody I know, they, they raise, they have their own chickens in their backyard that they do organic, you know, free range, whatever. And they have their eggs and stuff. And, you know, they get a couple of roosters every now and again that show up. And so, and occasionally they've got to get rid of a rooster or two. And, uh, this guy, one day he, he grew up on a, like on a rant on a farm. And so he made his kids, they went out and but and killed and butchered the roosters. He made his kids cut their heads off, clean mm-hmm. them, the whole thing. And then they ate the rooster that yeah. night for dinner. And he was just, it was a powerful lesson for those kids. And I know those kids pretty well and they really well. And they were like, yeah, it, it gave me a new appreciation for where, you know, for where my chicken comes from. And we think, yeah, just chicken shows sure. up. So here's the thing, right? Like vegetables, obviously vegetables, like zucchini doesn't grow year round. Mm-hmm. And, and certain fruits and vegetables don't grow year, year round, but yet we've now done things to make them grow year round. There's a, you know, I know there's a subset of people that believe that you really should only eat fruits and vegetables in the season that they are. Is yeah. there something to, is there, I, I don't know if this is something you've looked at. Is there something yeah. to that? Our bodies actually respond differently. Do they, I don't know. Do they respond differently to fruits and vegetables in different seasons or times? I, I wouldn't say they necessarily respond, but I think the point of having seasons and having different foods grow at different times is to make sure 
like going back to the basics, it's to make sure we're getting all of the adequate nutrition that we need because some people get comfortable and they're only eating apples and carrots because that's available year round, right? And where they're missing a whole thing of fruits and vegetables. Um, like how we process things, it always came from a good spot, right? Like we were making fruits and vegetables bigger so we could ship them down for them to last longer for those cultures that don't have the means that we do. And like always, we take it to the extreme where now we have these gigantic fruits and vegetables that don't even taste normal anymore. So I do value organic fruit and vegetables, especially the dirty dozen. Um, I think that's important. So what is it? So just, just for people who don't know, what is the dirty dozen? Oh gosh, I'm not going to name them all. 12. Well, you don't have to name them all. Just what, oh, like, what is that lit? Like what? It, I, it's more berries. A- it's, it's the fruits and vegetables that tend to carry the most pesticide pesticides and that are most generally modified from their natural point. So the dirty dozen, we could have a link on this to, to list them all out. But oh, is there, so are, is there somebody who puts together that list? Yeah. And it kind of has stayed the same. It's just based on the pesticide level because yes, we do process some of our fruits and vegetables to make them last longer because again, that's another culture thing. We don't like to see things dying in front of us, right? Like we do not like to have vegetables. Our culture is not to go to the store daily and to get the fresh fruits there and then bring them home and then go back again. We are Costco driven. We want to bulk up for like a month so we don't have to leave the house again, but yet we'll go out to eat still after Costco. You know, like that is our culture and things have to last. Oh yeah. No. So like I, my parents lived in France for two years and I went and we went and visited them and it was, it was crazy to me, not crazy, well, just culturally different. People go to the store every day. Yeah. And they, they only get the what st- they need that day. That's it. Yeah. They go to the store, they buy their baguette. It's really funny. Everybody's walking around with a baguette in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. After they get off work, they run by the store, get their big old baguette and whatever fruits and vegetables that, and things they need to make dinner that day. Yep. And that, and they walk there typically, and then they walk home and then, you know, like the culture there is so different than ours. And that's why we had to get smarter because the food obviously isn't made like that. Like when you pick it, you're supposed to eat it. Um, But we don't like to see food like that. We want to have it in our fridges for two weeks and then, you know, so that is kind of the downward down spiral of what we do to our fruits and vegetables. So I do think our bodies do process things differently, the less we process the food. I think our body knows what to do, but at the same time, our body can evolve as well. So I think if you're putting in a fruit or vegetable, whether it's on the dirty dozen or not, it is still better than if you were to not eat the fruit or vegetable. Um, You just have to be smart and go get high quality fruits and vegetables, like know the markets, that are better. Farmers markets are the best. And a lot of farmers markets aren't certified organic because it just costs them too much money to carry that stamp. And, but just know that from the source is always the best. And even in Mesa, I, when I lived there, I would always shop at that Mesa's farmers market off Maine. I think it's still there. Oh yeah. It's called, yeah. Fiesta, Fiesta market. Yes. And when you get vegetables from a farmer's market, it's so much in it's so much cheaper. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. They don't last as long because they're not as modified as the grocery store. So I would go more regularly, but I enjoy doing that. I like to take my kids. I like to show them what's in season. I use that as an opportunity to teach just because this is my profession and I enjoy teaching my kids that. So I do really try and eat seasonally and even cook seasonally um, sure. for my own entertainment. But I so think how, 
How, how old are your kids? Um, my oldest is 11 and my youngest is two. And they're so all do, you, do you see them now? Do you see them mimicking you in, in their choices or do they like, will they like their friends are like getting like popsicles and they're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm good. No. And that is one thing I try and do is have both in my house. I like to teach them um, cause I don't want them to be that kid that goes to someone's house and eats all their fruit roll-ups because they've never seen, fruit <laughs> you know, um, I, I feel kid. like I was that kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I try and show them everything and like why we get certain foods and why we need to eat this first. I will say my oldest does the best, I think, cause him and I were alone for almost four years before I had another kid. So it's yeah. really easy for him to develop my habits because it was just him and I. Obviously, sure. as more kids come out, I'm not able to maintain perfect teaching habits where my kids have gone through Chick-fil-A and not had the grilled chicken nuggets. My kids can eat junk with the rest of them because I never want to teach them good or bad foods. I just want to teach them um, healthy foods and why we're choosing to eat this before that or something sure. like that. So no, 100%, 100%. I grew yeah. up with freaking honey nut Cheerios and honey bunches of oats, honey bunches was oats is about as wild as it got for cereal in my house. So when I went over to my friends that had fruity pebbles and cinnamon toast crunch, I just, I'd polish off the box for them. I'd help them. Totally. Right. And I, yeah. And always in, but there are certain things that my kids know, but I always try and explain the why, because I feel like by just telling the kids isn't enough. Like I want to show them like, this is why we're eating whole grain. Like, so all my bread in my house is whole grain all my cereals are, but, but like certain occasions I will get a thing to celebrate because I know they love cereal, but I treat it as like a snack, not their breakfast. Right. Sure. So it's just kind of way I present the food to them that I try and be careful of to not have any type of food issues or any type of insecurities with food, especially with good and bad foods. And I don't have girls. So I feel like my approaches would be different if I had girls because sure. with females, there's a lot of shaming and um, body shaming in that way. So it's just how you approach it, I think, is how you handle with each kid. But yeah, so if you if you got got time, let's talk about that for a second, because there definitely is a huge issue around food. Food has become like a a morality thing now. Yeah, said, there's Mm -hmm. good food, there's bad food, you're a good person. If you eat a certain way, right? bad person or a fat ass if you eat mm-hmm. a certain way, right? right? Like right. I even see it in myself, like with some of this way that I like, I talk about myself after I've eaten certain stuff. Right. Um, and that so inner I hear, voice, totally, we all have it. Right. So what, what is your approach or what do you feel like is a healthy approach for young women mm-hmm. versus young men? Well, so women are different. They're just more sensitive and, and wait, 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 we're, we're different. <laughs> we're not the same. I, know, I, thought we were, I thought I thought we were the same. <laughs> but for for girls especially, I mean, I'm so grateful that my junior high and high school didn't have Instagram. I don't know how oh. I, I don't I'm so grateful I don't have to deal with that because yeah. that I mean every picture that you Google or anything, it's it's showing what a woman should look like. And I do feel like there's a little bit of a stretch happening where it's love all bodies. But yeah, but I think we're going too far. I think we're going too far the other way where we're like, this is, this is my hot take. We're yeah. going the other way where we're promoting obesity. 
Yeah. And just accepting. Like, like I'm, 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 nope. I'm sorry. You're, if you're three, if you're 285 pounds and you're a five foot seven woman, I don't care what you say. You're unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, I think, just think the lack of education, like that's just accepting someone and not promoting healthy thing, like habits. My, definitely changed my perspective the more I worked in medical nutrition because sure. they would come to me as older aged and have some serious problems. So, yeah. Anyway, going back to yeah, sorry, let's go back no, no. as I contributed to the it, fat shaming there. It's tricky because everything magazines, Facebook, Instagram will always have good and bad, or you're doing good. If you can do this for 30 days, then you're winning. And so it's really just keep the conversation going, never not talk about it. And I feel like in my household, you know, we didn't have all the education we have now, but it wasn't so much talking, but what my mom's habits were. And she had very great habits of working out and eating great, whether her information was misconstrued because of the fat free stuff, but your kids are watching you. If you are worrying about your weight and constantly talking about it, that will then reflect on them. If you're making them clear their plate before they're allowed to have dessert, that's going to bite them in the butt later too. being like, Oh, every time I clear my plate, I should be given a dessert, you know, like these things that how parents and it's so much stress. We can't be perfect as parents. Like there's no, oh, I still way. can't leave stuff on my plate. It's hard. For, it's hard for me to leave food on the plate. Yeah. At, and at almost 40. Yeah. And that's probably just, you've been trained. Like, no, you have to clear your plate before you get out of the table. Um, so it's really hard. It's just a constant conversation to not addressing food the way, cause we could break the cycle if we could just address food differently. Like, Oh, isn't this so fun to eat Oreos? like, and enjoy the Oreo. If you're going to commit to it, just do it already. Instead of being like, Oh, I shouldn't be eating this. And then you're oh, going to commit to, Oh, I commit Why to we eat it, mom. You know, like, just like with Halloween candy, tell yeah. them like, like my kids, for example, I don't really put a limit on. I almost let them get to the point where they are about to throw up because they ate so much. And I then be like, okay, this is why you just eat a little bit each day. You can have the Halloween candy for as long as you want. I will never take it away from you, but let's just do a handful each day. And they're like, yeah, I feel so sick. That's a good idea. You know, like allow those moments to teach them instead of just enforcing it. Cause they would have no idea why you care, why they eat so much candy. Well, and, and yeah. And I think. And it sounds like what you're saying is right. Take that, take the morality out of it. They're not good. They're not bad. And yeah, it is fun to eat Oreos and it is fun to eat ice cream and celebrate and things like that. But yeah. And it's it's just as much fun to eat those good foods too, because we're cleaning, we're helping our energy, like, you know, like break out macronutrients. So they know what it is. Like my kids would be like, why are we eating bread again? What does that do for our body? I'm like, Oh, that's your energy source. That's what gives you, blah, blah, you know? So they yeah. know what the macronutrients are doing for their body. Like they understand that they're like, Oh, sure, candy. Sure. It's not helping my muscles, but it's making me happy. I'm like, yeah, that's why we can do that too. Sometimes like, it's all about just keep the conversation going and never, and, and it's hard to, as adults, because we do worry about it. Kids learn oh, to yeah, worry yeah. about it from us. And yeah. that's the hard part is they're watching us big time. And so we have to, yeah, no, it's going to be something that I'm going to have to work on because it definitely, it's something that's consumed a huge piece of my bandwidth over yeah. the years. And, and I'll tell you right now, part of that is because I've got three older brothers with very different DNA Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than I do. I mean, yeah, we all came from the same parents, but like, I got one brother that I swear that guy can eat rat poison and get, <laughs> and get, and get cut up. Like, yeah. 
he's like, I just lifts a few weights and, you know, and then all of a sudden, Hey, he's, he's, he's ripped again. Right. But yeah, there there were moments where we sat around in the kitchen doing what teenage boys do with their shirts off, Mm -hmm. trying to, who's got the biggest muscles having a pose down in the, in the window, right. Or a mirror. Yeah. And me being like significantly younger, not significantly, but like three years younger, they've all hit like puberty looking fit as can be. And I'm still in chubby, awkward phase. Right. Like, so it like, it's, it sticks, it's sticks Mm -hmm. with you. I know that's not, we're not, we're not, we're not doing a therapy session here, but it sticks with you. (laughs) And so food is powerful. And that's why I like it so much. And so, because like when we now, like, obviously when my son is old enough to kind of get it, Mm -hmm. that's something I got to work on now. But like, if I, if I'm going to be worrying about food, I got to worry about it privately to myself and not in front of right bo- and in just front of the boy them. or other people. Well, and that's the crazy, even looking, so all mine are boys and they are built so different where I see one of my son that has just came out like a solid rock. Like he is just muscly and they all are so different. And that's what I just try and teach him. Like everyone hits puberty different. Everyone will grow different. It, it's just part of the individual. And that's what also makes this so great is it's like, everyone needs their own plan and their own road because not one fits all at all. And as parents, we kind of put them all together and feed them the same, but it's not like I'm a line cook, but I definitely know which part of the mill one kid would eat more of, you know, and I try and cater to that just so, cause they are individuals and it's, it's hard to treat them that way, but they do respect that better. I feel like when they, when you see them as their own person, you know? Yeah. Well, hundred percent. And you don't have to, like you were saying, you don't have to be a, a, a short order cook and make five right. different meals. You can make one meal and know that, Hey, this kid needs a little bit more of this and this one, a little less of that. And exactly, exactly. You know, and, and cater their meal to them, which I think, again, going back to, I think this is a great place to kind of go back, circle back to why it's important to get your DNA checked out. Yeah. Right. To uh, it's- find to find out what that individual plan is. So what is the name? Of, so what is the name of your website? How can people, how can people find you on Instagram, Facebook? Yeah. Internet. How, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, Instagram is probably where I'm most active and that's just at, um, I dot choose dot healthy from we'll there. Put a link to have, it. Yeah. My website, same. I dash choose dash healthy. You'll see all my services there. The DNA test. Another cool thing. If you've already done your DNA before, it saves you a lot of money because it also saves me a lot of money. I don't have to run your DNA through my lab. Um, so that will give you a hundred dollars off right there just because you've already oh, gotten sweet. your DNA ran, which is nice. So well, I'll tell you uh, oh, just real quick, little testimony for me. I'll tell you guys right now. I, I hadn't had my DNA done. I paid the price for what it, the, for what it cost. Um, I didn't ask, I didn't, I didn't want any kind of special treatment. I, I wanted to get the whole experience guys worth every stinking penny. No, so if you guys, <clears throat> if, if you're frustrated by your nutrition or you're just looking to take your performance, your nutrition to the next level, seriously, go check out Kristen, go check out her website, do the thing, work with her. She's phenomenal. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's fun been working with you too. And I love when all your results were coming back. It made me just as happy. So it's awesome. So yeah, no. And and I want to appreciate you taking the time. I know we kind of talked for just a little bit over an hour, but I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And I, hopefully this is beneficial. It's been beneficial for you and hope that everybody out there listening, if there's somebody out there that, that needs help can, can get it. So we will. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.